pray. Holy Spirit, come. Minister the Word of God. We thank you for truth. We thank you that you have established your Word as a covenant for us today and for all ages. Lord, we agree with the Scripture that says, let God be true, but let every man be a liar. Lord, we thank you that you're the God of truth, and you give us truth to order and direct and bless our lives. So today, feed us with your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. Today is the final, the final Sunday of our series on the five metaphors for the church. And we've looked at everything from the body of Christ to the bride. Uh, we've talked about the army of God. We've talked about the house or the temple of God being built into that. And uh, we learned last week that we're li we are individually what? Thank you, Patricia. Living stones. <laughs> Living stones. Amazing how quickly we forget, right? Today is our final installment episode of this series, which is on the church as the what? The family of God. What a beautiful picture the family of God is. I think that everyone probably realizes that we are living in a culture that has been experiencing a clear, gradual, but yet precipitous decline in the family structure as God intended it. I just want to use this. I know that the focus is on the church in this series, but may I use this moment of focusing on the church as the family just to bring your attention to the fact that family is of such importance in our society. A few statistics, current statistics. 51% of children raised by unmarried mothers are being raised in poverty. This is all USA statistics. 69% of all black children are born to single mothers. 85% of all children that exhi exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 85% of all youth sitting in prison grew up in a fatherless home. Did you know that total U.S. credit card debt today is more than eight times larger than it was 30 years ago? Do you know that Americans now owe more than $904 billion on student loans? It's an all-time high. I predict it is, I'm not playing profit, but it is the next big bubble to burst. Abuse and neglect of children in the United States alone has increased 134% since 1980. Abuse and neglect of children. Over 2,000 infants die every year due to neglect. Infants, newborn infants. The growing empirical evidence on child abuse reveals now new and alarming patterns of familial relationships that contribute to this tragedy. Studies now show that with a continual rise in the incidence of child abuse in America, there's an increase in the number of children that are born out of wedlock and abandoned by parents as well as an increase of the number of children affected directly by divorce. 75%, listen to this, this is a couple of little focuses on urban areas. 75% of children born in urban hospitals this year will be born out of wedlock. 50% of children born in inner city hospitals this year will be born addicted to drugs. In L.A. County alone, 
there are 90,000 homeless. In other words, more people than live in the city of Suffolk. Total. And close to 40%, 40% of those are women with children. All those statistics simply declaring that family is in trouble. And I simply believe if we would simply, it's not easy, but it is simple. Return to God's focus on the family. And what the scripture tells us about raising children and establishing our homes on the right values and principles, I believe that those trends can be changed. The scripture tells us in Psalm 68, which is a great encouragement, in Psalm 68 and verses 5 and 6, that a fa- God is a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. He is God in his dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. I think one translation says God sets the desolate in families. That's, I don't know about you, that's just an amazing scripture to me. God sets, God places lonely, desolate people where? In families. Why do you think he does that? He knows that we belong in a family. We're made to be in healthy families. New Testament scripture. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19, consequently speaking about what Christ had done on the cross and how he's reconciled to his one and removed the barriers, it says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with God's people. You're also, listen to this, members of his household. The word for household is also a word used for family. Oikos. We are members of his family. Look at one another and say, you're members of God's family. Yeah, you are. Now, this is very, very important. The church as a family happens to be one of the most striking images that we find in the New Testament. Visions of family dominate Paul's writings. All through his letters, Paul speaks even offhandedly of Brethren, children, fathers, mothers, we are born again, regenerated into the blameless family of God. When that happened, God becomes our father, Jesus becomes our elder brother, you become my brother, you become my sister, and we become the family of God. Imagine that you would agree that the nuclear family, family of, uh, of a family uh, in our community or in this church. Families are important. But there's another family that is of great value to the Lord that Paul introduces us to here in the scripture that I read in Ephesians, which is the family of God. The Bible speaks of the church, local and universal, as the family of God. So it's important that we kind of get our minds around this and understand some observations about the family of God. So just offer to you five observations and lessons today about the church as the family of God. First of all, understand that the family principle or concept is not new. It's been around since the beginning of time. It's been around pre-creation. In what way? 
first of all, revealed in the Godhead. Right? God the Father and God the Son. Notice that even in the Trinity, even in the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we see the image of what? Family. So how does that relate to us today? How does it relate to the church now that Jesus tells us he is building? Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church. What about the church? How, what is our part now in that? Yes, we have a father. We have a father. God is our father. And we also have an elder brother. And we have brothers and sisters in Christ. There's nothing better to me than to have deep relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. Is it true? And we need to value it and appreciate it. So all throughout Scripture, even in the, we won't take the time to digress, even in the Abrahamic covenant, you see the whole concept of family there. Throughout the, 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 uh, the country, the raising up of the people of Israel, the Jewish nation, you see the family model presented to us. However, it's very important that we understand that when we place our faith in Christ is when God becomes our father. We become his children. Other believers become brothers and sisters. Do you remember when in Matthew uh, chapter 12, Jesus pointed to his disciples and he said, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. He's connecting the family model to followers of his. Even before his death, he affirmed the importance of being a part of the family of God. It's really important that we understand how clearly, though, we need to make a distinction because many people in society today miss this. And I want to make sure in just a second I'm going to talk to you about how to become a part of that family. But just to look at a couple of scriptures that will help you. The scripture tells us in Romans chapter 8, yes, well, how, how do we know that God is our father? How do I know that? Because the Bible tells us in Romans 8, verse 15 and 16, the Spirit makes you God's children. The Spirit makes you God's children. And by the Spirit's power, we cry out to God, Abba, my Father. God's Spirit joins Himself to our spirits to declare that we are God's children. Romans 8, 15 and 16. In Ephesians 3, 14 and 15, we learn that it's always been God's greatest desire to have a family. That's always been his desire. That's what he's been looking for. He's been wanting to have a family. He even sent his son Jesus to redeem us so that he could have a family. Ephesians chapter uh, 3 and verse 14 and 15 say this. Paul's words. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. The who? From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. In James chapter 1, verse 18, listen, a little bit different translation, but it's, it's meaningful. It says this. It was a happy day for him when, we gave, when he gave us our new lives through the truth of his word, and we became the first children. Other translations talked about being first fruits of creation. Where we become the first children in his new family. God is still building his family. 
Now let's address the question. How do we become a part of the family? It ought to be incredibly compelling and inviting for people particularly who've been raised in families that are dysfunctional. This ought to be one of our greatest selling points, if you will, of the gospel, right? Come and be a part of God's family. But here's the problem. Many people think just because they're living that they're one of God's children. How many times have you heard people say on media or conversations, you've heard people say, well, we're just, we're all God's children. You've heard that? There's a real big problem with that. It's not true. We are all God's creation. But we are not all God's children. In fact, Jesus was so bold. Don't look at me and get mad at me. Jesus said he got in trouble too. He said, you're of your father, the devil. Well, if someone said that today, oh my. God's not your father. The devil's your father. Might cause a little stir. But it is still true. Until we become related to God by faith through Jesus Christ, we are not his children. Look at my first point on this slide. Every human being was created by God, but not everyone is a child of God. We only become children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. At that moment, we become part of God's wonderful family. The only way to get in God's family is through new birth. You have to be born into it. You become part of the human family by your first natural birth but you become a member of God's family by your second birth, your rebirth. The Bible tells us that we are adopted as members of God's family. What a beautiful concept. The Bible says that we, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit, Romans 8, that we are children of God. How do we know? You say, well, how do I know if I am? Because you'll know that you know that you know. The Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit. Now I belong to God. And it goes on to say, and we are God's children, and therefore heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, and so on and so on. We are the children of God. But it came with a price. God gave his son for us so that we could be called sons and daughters. Think of that. We know that Jesus' death was not short and quick. It was long, it was agonizing, but it was for us. The gospel, salvation is free, but not cheap. Salvation is free, but not cheap. And the other thing about being in the family of God, we come in through a decision to be born again, is that we're all equal. We're all God's children. We're just all a part of God's family. God doesn't have any favorites. You could say amen to that. God has no favorites. We're all accepted in the beloved. We're all washed by the same blood. God doesn't have favorites. He loves us all. He wants all of his children to do well. And so that's the way we become a part of God's family. I think that's a strong, strong invitation to people who are still living in darkness or who are simply under the deluded 
thinking that just because they're walking around on the earth breathing that they're God's child. Let's look at the third observation. Number three, being in a family, being in a family has privileges. When you're a part of a family, there's certain things that come with it. Am I right? There's privileges. And I could have gone on and on and on with lists. I'll just give you a few. A few privileges of being in God's family. First of all is, if you're part of God's family, you've been adopted into his family, you receive the Father's love and embrace. Wow! Do you know how desperate some people are to, to feel and sense the Father's unconditional love? Do you know how love-starved people are in the world today? To be able to introduce them to a loving, forgiving, merciful God? That's an incredible message. One of the greatest benefits of just being a part of the family of God is to know the Father's love and embrace. But also, there's a great pattern to follow. The Scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, be imitators of God as what? Beloved children. How many of you have had children and you've been amazed at how much they follow the example of their older brothers and sisters and their parents? And some of us have gotten in trouble because we do things, we say things, and then we don't realize we do it and say it until we see our kids do it and say it. And then we go, oh, no. Y'all know what I'm talking about? All of us have that experience. You have any family experience at all? You know what I'm talking about. As children in the family of God, what an incredible opportunity. We are given an example. Our elder brother Jesus has lived a perfect, sinless life and said, just do what I do. The Bible says, just be imitators of God. As children of God, just imitate Daddy God. How do we know what Daddy God would do? We look at Jesus' life on earth, and we have a really good, clear pattern of how to live, how to pray, how to behave, how to talk. Am I right? We have a pattern to follow. We don't have to write some new book about it. Just read the book. Amen? Third privilege, membership in the family. There's something to be said for that. Just being, uh, I, I think people today have a need to belong. There's a deep sense need that people have of belonging. I think in, in some places, uh, the reason um, kids that are struggling and trying to find identity are attracted to gang life many times, it's because what? They just want to belong to something. They just want a sense of, I, I, I belong. Do you know what? You can belong in the family of God. There is room in the family of God as a local church. We're a family, and there's a place that people can belong. There's another benefit, and that is that it's a diverse and colorful family. Isn't that cool? I just can't think of anything more cool than that, the fact that the family of God is diverse. Today you met Paul and Victor. They are brothers. They are your brothers. You say, well, I've never met them before. They still, they're still your brothers. That's right. And today, Paul and Victor got to meet many brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? It's a part of being the family of God. You don't look alike. You don't sound alike. Your accents are different. Your education may be different. There's all kinds of differences. Thank God for variety. It'd be boring if we were all the same. There's diversity, colorful, beautiful mosaic that God builds as a part of his family 
I'm thankful for that. That excites me. Another benefit is fellowship. Fellowship, just to be simple, is simply doing life together for Jesus. Just living life, doing life together. Working together, having fun together, playing together, praying together, worshiping together, knowing one another. The Bible says that, that, that we need one another. We've learned that under several of our uh, lessons in this series, haven't we? So there is doing life together. There's some other benefits. You have an inheritance. We know from Luke chapter 12, verse 32, we know that that son took his inheritance and ran, didn't he? Did you know that in the family of God, as a child of Almighty God, that you have an inheritance? Even in Romans 8, 16, spoke of the fact that now that we're children of God. We've been adopted in this family. Therefore, we're heirs, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Wow, we could go on and on about that. But there's an inheritance. Listen, you know, some families uh, are poor and, you know, parents die. There's, there's no estate. Other families, they have an amazing um, accumulation of wealth that's passed on to the next generation. And, and I believe that's a biblical example that we, we have in Scripture. But on a spiritual level, I don't know about you, but this is a pretty good family to belong to. You agree? I mean... If you're, gonna, if, you're, if you're looking for a benefit, that's a pretty good benefit to be an heir of God. Would you agree? I mean, I, I know some other people that you might think that'd be pretty cool to be, there, to be in their family, but I, I'll just take God's family any day. Amen? So there is an inheritance. But there's also the benefit, you may not think of it this way, of discipline. And the family of God, Hebrews chapter 12 speaks to this, and it says that a good father does what? They discipline those that they love. And if they love their children, they're going to discipline their children. Now, you wouldn't know that today in looking around a lot of people's families. But if you love your kids, you won't just let them do everything they want to do. You won't give them everything that they say that they want or think that they need. But we'll discipline our children. We'll provide boundaries for our children. We'll provide protection for them. And in the family of God, there is discipline. There is a time that we simply say, no. Right? Now, nobody's saying amen anymore. All right. <clears throat> There's also covering and protection. I believe that when you're in the family unit, there's something, a sense of protection, covering and literal spiritual, in the spiritual realm, there's a protection. I noticed that whenever I'm away, and, and particularly as my kids were growing up, and I had to be away for some ministry uh, commitment, and Carrie and the boys were home, I noticed that they were far more vulnerable when I'm away than when I'm at home. Now, we learn to build up the prayer shield to help take care of that. But why do you think that is? There is a spiritual covering for a family. You might say, well, I'm just a single mother. There's still spiritual covering that you provide. But there's also a local church should provide a sense of protection and a spiritual covering. And those that are in spiritual authority and leadership in that church should be a part of that spiritual. Listen, I'm better off. I'm more protected by being connected to James. I'm better off by knowing Diane. I'm better off by, by having Bob. As, as a part of the family of God, we are a part of, of, a, of a church where there's a spiritual covering. We need to appreciate that. And therefore, you should be careful about what church you're, you're led to be a part of. There's a lot of wonderful churches, but you can't just lollygag into any church and say, well, it really doesn't matter. Oh, no, it really does matter. And you say, well, I, I just feel led to kind of 
roll from church to church to church. You, you know what you're doing to yourself? You're removing many of these privileges because you're just enjoying the universal privileges but not the local family benefits. And there should be support and love. A family should be marked by support, right? Supportive relationships between brothers and sisters. Sisters, is this? I mean, sisters can say things to sisters, right? I mean, brothers can tell brothers stuff. Am I right? Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. Sometimes you don't realize how much you need the family of God until things go down. All of a sudden, things start to get rough. You better discover, I need some other folks. I need to be a part of a family. I can't just be a floating person here, there, now. Oh, be a part. Get planted. Get established into the family of God and receive the support and the love as you go through good things or bad things. We have support and we have love. Number four, fourth observation. Being in a family also brings responsibilities. I just talked about privileges. But there's also responsibilities. You know, I don't know about you, but whenever I was, the way my parents raised me, and you can say, you can call it old-fashioned if you like, but when it was time for dinner, you either at the table or you missed dinner. That's just the way it was. You know, I said, well, I don't like those kind, that kind of food at my house. I just, if I didn't eat what was set before me, I didn't eat. And when we got done eating, on a pretty consistent basis, I had chores to do after we had dinner together. So there was the benefit of having dinner together, but also there was some responsibilities. It was all to be shared. I think in family, we need to learn there's responsibilities. First of all, there's responsibility to respect the father and the family name. That should be a part of our responsibilities. That's a part of it. We should have some level of mutual respect for one another in the family and, 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 and for the name that it's named after. And, and then there's family participation. And, and when there's a big, important family event, listen, I've had my struggles going to family reunions just like some of you have. And most families have a weird Uncle Harry, and you don't want to go, and you sure don't, if you go, you don't want to talk to Harry. Y'all know what, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Everybody's got a weird Uncle Harry, all right? But family reunions, are important because why it's family there's something different about family and you don't get the benefit unless you fulfill the responsibility to participate if you choose to just be independent participate I do it on my own terms I I, I don't know I'll go when I want to go that's really not participation like God wants us to have and it also involves chores <laughs> serving I believe that everybody's a part of the family needs to serve in some different way. And so, uh, by the way, if you're not serving in some way and this is your family, talk to me. We'll make sure we find a place for you to serve. And then finally, there's mutual submission. That means I submit to one another. So there's a, submission, a, a mutual submission between Steve and me, Joy and me. There's mutual submission. We submit to one another according to Scripture out of love and reverence for Christ. If you love one another, you'll have a submissive attitude towards one another. That means none of this, there's no room, no place for being, I'm more important than you are. I'm going to dominate you. There's no room for that in the family of God. 
Yes, there's a father. Yes, there's a mother. Yes, there are older brothers and sisters. We all understand those, necess those necessities. But there's also a mutual submission to one another. These are all family responsibilities. I need to wrap up. I've got one minute left. And a minute left to deal with this point. Wow. <laughs> Impossible. Fifth observation, all families face challenges. I'd never have met a family that doesn't have challenges. I've never met a relationship that doesn't have a conflict. The only relationships I know that haven't had conflicts are those that last only a couple of minutes. And then say, well, we haven't had a fight yet. I said, just wait. Just give yourself a little time. In every relationship, whether it's marriage, whether it's family, whether it's church, whether it's a football team, at some point you're going to move from the forming stage to the storming stage. The honeymoon is going to get over at some point. But the question is whether or not you're going to move beyond the honeymoon and move to the norming stage. So don't be shocked at the storm. Understand it's simply a part of the family. There's going to be conflicts. The question is, will we resolve them following biblical guidelines? Are we going to do it worldly way and just stay mad at one another or divide or whatever it may be? Now the challenge we have is whenever there's a new family member, Worship team, y'all can come on and be in place. Whenever there's a new family member, sometimes we have trouble embracing new family members. You know what I'm saying? A new person's adopted in the family, and the brothers and sisters go, man, there was barely enough food for us. Now we got someone else to feed. And what are we going to do with that, James? We've got someone else now in the family to feed. Just accept new family members. Don't be exclusive. Be inclusive. When you see a face that you don't know that's a part of the Riverbend family, you, you, don't be afraid. You, you'll go up and say hello to someone. They say, I've been here for six months. I've been attending here six months. It's, well, just forgive me. Now, what, let me make sure I get to know you better. It's, it's okay to embrace one another, receive one another. That's okay. And finally, there are dysfunctions in every family. There's usually a few dysfunctional members. There's dysfunctional behavior. But the, problem, the, the, the main thing I want you to know is we're all on a journey. We're on a journey becoming like Jesus. And I don't know about you, I got a ways to go. I got a ways to go before I'm like Jesus. And, there, and there's times I've got I've to self-correct and I've got to let the Holy Spirit do his work of sanctifying, convicting me. But there, it's okay. All families have challenges. We're going to trust God to work out all the kinks, trust him to work out the dysfunctional behavior. And the important thing is we hold together as a family. The father, God, the father, Jesus is our elder brother. And you and me, we're brothers and sisters. Turn to someone on one side of you, depending on who they are, and say, you're my brother or you're my sister. Turn to someone on one side of you. Now don't get it mixed up. Now turn to, now turn to someone on now turn to someone on the other side of you and say you are my sister or brother. All right? Everybody say this with me together. It didn't take you that long to say that. Y'all say. Everybody say this together. Say we are the family of God. Amen. Would you stand to your feet please?
Listen to me as we close. Our prayer teams are coming forward to be available for, for ministry. As we close today, I want you to remember this. You have to be born into the family of God. It takes a personal step of faith to be born into the family of God. To let Jesus be your Lord and Savior. To be your elder brother. To have God not only as your creator, but as your father. He's got to change you on the inside. Make you a new person. You can do that today. I'm going to invite you as I close my part of the service. Our worship team is going to close us with a song. I'm going to invite you to slip out from where you're seated. Walk right down here to the front of this area. And on both sides of me, there are prayer teams that are available to talk to you, pray for you, help you to know Jesus more personally, or pray you along that process. Maybe you have another personal need and you don't want to leave today without someone praying and agreeing with you. Listen, God is a God of miracles. We know he's a God of miracles. And he has a miracle for you today. So would you let someone pray for you, stand with you for that miracle? Let another brother and sister, brother and sister in the family pray and agree with you today. All right, Lord, we thank you for adopting us. How precious it is to be a part of the family of God. We're thankful that the Holy Spirit today, even right now, that lives on the inside of us who are your children, is crying out, Papa God. Abba, Father. We're so thankful that we're your children. And we're thankful that you put us in a family. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to continue to enjoy the privileges. To accept the responsibilities. And to resolve the conflicts. As we grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Crystal and the team's going to lead you in a closing song. And then you're dismissed. Sing this with me.